We're studying the Gospel of Luke, and we are meeting the unexpected Jesus. It's a Jesus who forgives tax collectors and prostitutes. It's a Jesus who calls bumbling fishermen and terrorist assassins to be his disciples. It's really, excuse me, quite amazing to watch this unexpected Jesus. He often even does unexpected things. <coughs> Excuse me. And we're going to see that today. I mean, he's just in, in the middle of this incredible gospel that we're reading, in the middle of all these grace-filled stories, in the middle of all this forgiveness and unlikely heroes. It, it, it's like when we get to the verses we're going to today, he drops a bomb. In, in fact, all week long, th- this old 1982 song has been coming to my mind. Anybody remember it? You dropped the bomb on me. Some of you. Some of, anybody can sing that? I mean, it, it's great. Listen to the words. You were the girl that changed my world. You were the girl for me. You lit the fuse. I stand accused. <laughs> you were the first for me. But you turned me out, baby, and you dropped a bomb on me. You dropped a bomb on me. Do you ever, anybody ever had that bomb dropped? Okay, I'm telling you today, Jesus is going to drop a bomb on you today, all right? He's just going to say things that will shake you up. And I want to give you a, a modern-day example of that up on the screens. Uh, Chris Pratt, very popular Hollywood actor and a Christian, was given an award the other day, a leadership award from MTV. And despite them asking him and warning him not to say these things, you got to hear what he said. He dropped a bomb. Don't you love it when someone in Hollywood speaks truth? And when we get to Jesus today... Jesus is coming in, and Jesus is going to say, in the midst of all this grace, don't, don't misunderstand me, guys. you got a new king. This is a new kingdom, and there are new rules. And, and when we read Jesus here, we, we confront the mistaken idea that somehow Jesus came and Jesus lowered the bar. I'm telling you, my friend, Jesus pulled the bar up. He's going to say shocking things in this, this sermon like, Blessed are the poor, woe to the rich. He turns everything upside down. Now, now what we're coming to is Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. I call this the Twitter version because it's a little shorter. But it's taught in the way that a rabbi would taught teaching that day. Rabbis taught, they they would call it stringing the beads. A a sermon to them was, you got one bead, two, three, four... You make points in quick succession. They believed if you tried, if you stopped on one point too long, you'd lose your audience. So Jesus is going to, man, he's going to go through life. You know, we're taught today as preachers, you want to make one point, and everything you say contributes to that point. That's not what Jesus does here. He's going to do a string of beads and teachings that will challenge each one of us. Now, I'm not going to have time today to get in detail of every verse. Every verse will challenge the socks off of you. But there is a card in your bulletin that would give you Bible study. And, you know, I can't read your Bible for you, but you could read it. And, and I want you to look at it to give you five days of meditation to let God speak to your spirit and evaluate your soul. But let's jump right in to what Jesus says as he drops this bomb on us. Luke chapter 6, verse 20. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. 
Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for just how this is just how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. He, what Jesus is talking about is what is the road to happiness? And his road is completely the opposite of what we believe. And, and what Jesus says is the key to happiness is not your surroundings, it's, it's your attitude. So the first point here is your attitude toward circumstances. And, and what Jesus says here is that happiness is not found in a change of circumstances, but in a change of attitude. You see, what I want to believe is that I could finally be happy if I'm making the money I ought to make, with the person I ought to be with, doing the things I want to do, and everything in my life just lines up perfectly. Jesus says, that might bring you some temporary happiness, but nothing, nothing permanent. Now, don't mistake what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying poverty, hunger, persecution, suffering, tears, are blessings in themselves. Because listen, everything Jesus lists here, he tries to alleviate. He feeds hungry people. He heals sick people. He's not saying it's great to be poor. It's great to be hungry. What he's saying is there are great blessings that come from going through tough times. He's describing the inner work that God can do in your life when you finally realize how poor you are without God. When the worst thing happens in your life and you are devastated and broken, what Jesus is saying is your brokenness will lead to blessedness. Your poverty will lead to real riches. And the worst thing that happens in your life, one day you might be able to say, was the best thing that happened in your life. Jesus is not against riches. He's not against being well-fed. He's not against laughing. But what he is against are these things becoming gods. So his challenge to us this morning is that we are too satisfied with the lesser things of life. When you think your happiness is going to come from the next purchase, when you think your happiness is going to come from that person, when you think your happiness is going to come having a summer vacation, when you think those are the things that bring real happiness, Jesus said, I'm not against those things, but you are settling for things that are lesser than what I could give you. Because often we fill our lives with all these activities and food and everything we want, when the truth is we are spiritually bankrupt and we don't even feel it. Jesus says, okay, if you go after riches, if you go after popularity, if you go after any of those things, if that's your goal in life, let me tell you, you may get it, but here's what he says in these verses. That is all you will get. And, and what you're going to lack are the things that really, really count. So if you want to be a happy person, 
You can't sit around for your circumstances to get right. You need to let your attitude change. Now go to the next section. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Does that sound natural to you? If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you'll be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Second point, if you want real happiness, you've got to change your attitude toward people. Happiness is not dependent on how people treat you, Jesus says. It is dependent on how you treat people. Did you hear that? Most of us walk in rooms. We walk in churches. We walk in offices. We walk on to ball fields. We walk into schools. We walk in, and, and, and our happiness is dependent. Did they speak to me? Were they nice to me? Did they recognize me? Did I get the raise I deserve? Did I get the recognition I should have gotten? And so I, here's what happens. You end up allowing your happiness to be held hostage by other people. And Jesus says, I've got such a better way. It doesn't feel natural, but here's the better way. The better way is when you go into that church, you go into that business, you go to that ball field, you go to that school, you go not to get, but to give. You cannot control what someone gives you. You can't control that. So you may be miserable and you've done nothing. But you can control, Jesus says, what you give to them. And so Jesus has this radical idea that we're to love everybody. That's crazy. Even our enemies. You say, how is that possible? It's because of the, the word Jesus uses for love here. It's not a feeling kind of love. It's not a, certainly even a sexual kind of love. It, it's this great Greek word agape, which means to seek the best in everyone. It's not emotional. It's not like Jesus saying you've got to work yourself up with some ooey-gooey feeling towards your enemy. But he said what you do is you begin to love people. You seek the best in people no matter how they treated you. In fact, here's the standard. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, that was not completely radical in Jesus' day. Other religions taught something similar to the golden rule. But here's the twist Jesus makes. Everybody else, the golden rule was negative. Do not do to people what you don't want to do be done to you. Okay? So, so that, that sort of leaves you neutral. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just not going to mistreat people and I'm a good person. Sometimes in America, that's what we think a good person is. Jesus says, oh, no, you're just getting started there. I don't want you just to be neutral and not abuse people. I want you to be proactive. I want you to do for people what you wish they were doing for you. Don't sit around and wait to give them something. Give them more. 
If they slap you on a cheek, turn the other cheek. You be proactive in this radical love that only I could teach you. You see, this is one of our problems, guys, today, is the average college student asks what they think of Christians, says in America today, I think they are fake. I think they're hypocrites. They say things and they live another. And the only way, guys, we're going to drop these walls for the gospel is when you and I love people in a radical way that makes no sense. When we forgive people who don't deserve to be forgiven. When we love people who don't deserve to be loved. When we give to people who can't give us anything back. Say, buddy, that, you were right. That, that is a bomb. How in the world could I live like that? What, what would motivate me to act in that behavior? I think he hits it in verses 35 and 36. He says, when you live this way, you will be children of the Most High. Because he's kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Because the only reason you and I could live this kind of life is because God has already done it to you. When you were an enemy, he befriended you. When you had done unforgivable things, he forgave you. When you and I were unlovable, he loved us. And now because we've experienced this, we are able not to be held hostage by the way other people treat us. But now we are free because we've experienced this amazing love that we go love people in ways that amaze them. And then look at the next section, verse 39. He also told them this, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not fall into a pit? The student's not above the teacher, but everyone who's fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Is this not a crazy eye doctor scene? I mean, you, you got a little scratch on your eye, a little something you can't get out, and you go to the eye doctor, and he's seeking to lean over to examine you, and while he's going back and forth, this two-by-four slapping your head. And he's saying, oh, I've diagnosed you. you got this big problem. you got this speck, and I'm going to get it out. And you're sitting there in amazement that the eye doctor's got a two-by-four coming out of his eyes. He said, that, that is the issue. He says, you can't judge people that way. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man, here's a good standard, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Here's the gauge. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Don't speak it and say, I don't know where that came from. It came absolutely from inside you. Now, here's the point. This passage is about your attitude toward yourself. If you want to find happiness, you need to understand that happiness does not come from pride, but from humility. Guys, 
here's what we're teaching each other today is the key to everybody's happiness. We've been doing this for three decades, and we better wake up and go, it's not working. Is everybody's got to have great self-esteem. So every kid's got to get an award, and everybody gets a trophy, and everybody, because that's not life. And so don't dare, and, and what the answer is not to make our children ourselves more self-focused. The answer is for us to get over ourselves. And that's what humility is. Here's the best definition I've ever heard of humility. Humility is not thinking too little of yourself, right? It's not thinking too much of yourself. Humility is not thinking about yourself. You see, the most miserable days that you and I live, while we don't experience happiness, is we're so wrapped up in our own pride, in our own life, that we're held hostage by that. But when I finally let go of me, and and I'm there not to critique everybody in the world, but to love everybody, when I get off my high horse of my job of critiquing and realize I'm a sinner too, something great can happen. One writer says, people who are constantly criticizing others are usually guilty of something worse in their lives. I'll never forget living here years ago, a very wise man I had a lot of respect for, named Paul Tarnts. There were two, two preachers in Montgomery at that point who thought it was their job to critique what everybody did. So there was actually a, a weekly paper about critiquing every church, and there was actually even a man who was part of the Landmark Church years ago who used to write about people all across our fellowship and what they were doing right and what they were doing wrong, and it was just it was blistering attacks with no grace. I'll never forget sitting down over lunch with Paul Torrance, and he said to me this, Buddy, you look close enough to anybody who's that critical, and there's a hidden sin in their life. And that came true on both fronts. My friends, we've got to be the people with this attitude of humility toward ourselves. And then one more section here, and I love this part. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Then do not do what I say. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one, listen closely, guys, because you've just heard his words, the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice... It's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and, was, and its destruction was complete. Last point is our attitude toward God. And, and here's, here's what he's saying. And I, I'll put this together for you. Happiness is not based on taking the easy way, but on the difficult road of obedience. You see, that's what these two houses are. We were in Palestine just a few weeks ago. This is the summer months. There we saw absolutely no rain. That just doesn't happen. And so all these rivers, they dry up. And if you went out there, you'd just see these nice flat places of sand. And and someone could be mistaken to think, this would be a great place to build a house. It's flat. You know, nothing here. And it's certainly easier than me going over here and digging down till I hit a rock to connect my foundation to. 
So I just take the easy way out, and I build my hand on the my house on the sand. Now, here's the cool thing, is my house on the sand looks exactly like that cool house on the rock. There's no difference on the outside. Not until the storm comes do you find out. And here's what happens. In the fall and winter months, the torrential rain comes to Palestine, and that dry, sandy land becomes a river that destroys that house. Now, it was easier to build this way, but in the long run, it was destruction. And let me say this to you teenagers. It's easier to do what everybody else is doing. It's easy to get drunk with everybody. It's easy to have sex. It's easy to be selfish. It's easy to fill your mind with endless video games. It's easy. That's easy. But to build your life on the foundation of obedience, Jesus says that's the narrow path. That's the difficult path. It's easy to do whatever your body feels like. It's different to do what God asks you to do. And that's why we, we, we need to talk more about obedience. And Jesus says, if you want to build your life on a foundation that's going to last, build it on obedience. Because here's, here's my warning to you. No, it's not my, it's Jesus' warning. Be, are you listen to me? Guarantee you, storms are coming. And when the storm comes, the foundation of your life will be revealed. I think that's why we were so enamored by the Ryan family story. Because when the storms came in the most awful way, oh, they hurt, but they stood firm. And my friends, for us, the storm is either in your life, it's coming to your life, or you're through the storm. But it's going to happen. And what Jesus is saying, it's not enough to come here on Sunday morning and sing Lord, Lord, and sing these nice praise songs, and then go live like everybody else. It's not enough just to take the easy way out in life. You've got to build on a foundation that stands. And this is one reason I love VBS, is because VBS is a great time to think about this. So, we're going to sing a song that I hope you won't take just as, as foolish but because it, it says really a powerful message. I want to invite any of the VBS kids to join me on stage right now, and we're going to sing this passage, The Wise Man Built His House on the Rock, okay? This is my tryout as worship leader and your tryout as praise team, all right? Come on, any kids will come join me. Come on up here. We're going to sing it together. Y'all know the hand motions? Don't be slow. Come on, we got to rock. I'm going to get in trouble. And guys, don't think you're off the hook. You're going to all stand and sing it with us. And we want everybody to do the hand motions because this song is powerful. Y'all excited? Guys, oh man, this is cool, cool, cool. Everybody stand up. Stop looking at me like I'm crazy. And act like you're spiritual people and seeing the wise man build his house on the rock. And we are going to do it with the hand motions. And while we're singing this, remember the words and the truth of these words. Let's go. Y'all got your hammers ready? Let's go. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. Oh, the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the wise man's house stood firm. Now, hold on. This is my favorite part. How about you? What do you like? I like the splat. Let's do it again. 
splat. Foolish man built his house upon sand. Foolish man built his house upon sand. Foolish man built his house upon sand. And the rains came tumbling. Everybody, the rains came, the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the foolish man's house went flat. Let's be smart. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessings will come down. Oh, <laughs> the blessings come down as the prayers go up. Blessings come down as the prayers go up. The blessing come down as the prayers go up. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, guys. You can go back to your seats. Man, I got a new job. <laughs> I, I, I will be hungry, no doubt. Okay, let's close out. Uh, here's what I see is we're going through Luke. And stay with me just a second while we're wrestling on the ground in front of me, all right? Uh, <laughs> everybody okay? Don't you love children? All right, we just went splat. All right, now. Okay, I think when we read the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has dropped two nuclear bombs. And, and, and here they are. They are grace and they are truth. And what I love about Jesus is he models this. John says Jesus is full of what? Grace and truth. He's got them both to the fullest level. Now, sometimes we're crazy and we say, oh, this is a, a grace-filled church. And this over here, man, they're a truth-filled church. And, dude, that's not what God's called us to be. We have been called to be the body of Christ, and we are going to be grace-filled, and we're going to be truth-filled, and they are not contradictory. They work together. In fact, I think actually they're sequential. I think people are first blown away and introduced to God by his amazing grace. When you're forgiven of what you should never be forgiven for, and when God says it's all over like you never did it, here's the real response. The false responses go, okay, I got by with it. Let me go do some more crap. Excuse me. The, the, <laughs> did I say that? I did, didn't I? Okay. It's an accurate word. Um, the real response is to go, you know what? God has been so good to me. I want to please him. God's been so good to me. I, I don't want to. I want to obey him. Who would I trust more than the one who's forgiven me? So it's sequential. I meet grace, and, and I begin to be obedient to truth. Grace does not give you an excuse to goof off. It gives you a motivation to obey. Properly understood. But then not only is it sequential, but it's cyclical, okay? Because here's what I think. I run into grace, and I cannot believe how good God is. And so I'm motivated to obey truth. And I get over here to this crazy standard we just talked about, and I go, ain't no way I can do it. I'll try. And that leads me back to grace. And I go back to grace. I go, oh, God, you're so good. I'm still going to try with everything to obey. Keep molding me. I still can't quite do it, so I go back to grace. And I live in this, you know, we talk about vicious cycles, I call this the Victoria cycle, where grace and truth are constantly full in my life. And they change me. So today I ask you, has, has Jesus 
done what he wanted to do. I have no doubt that in the midst of calling these ragtag apostles, messed up disciples, Jesus meant in the middle of this great gospel to go, but don't you forget, I'm raising the standard. I want you to live a more holy life, not less holy. And I'm asking you today, has Jesus dropped a bomb on you? And maybe the bomb that he has dropped on you today has been the bomb of truth. And you, you read through this as quickly as you had, and you go, oh my goodness, I don't treat people that well. I don't think about myself that way. I'm not seeking to obey God. There's so many areas in my life. I know what God says. I just still do exactly what I want to do with no effort. And maybe this morning God has dropped a bomb of truth in your life. And I want you to come to this front row and let's meet the grace of God. Or maybe today you're so convicted, he's so gracious, and you're ready to get with it. And to get with it means, I want to be more obedient. And you believe what these kids, and we just sang, is when the prayers go up, the blessings come down. And you don't want to leave this place. I mean, you just had a bomb dropped on you. You drop a bomb to shake things up. You drop a bomb to say, would you wake up and stop living your selfish life? Would you wake up about that secret sin that's going to come out eventually and destroy yourself? Would you wake up about your lukewarmness where you think it's okay to be lukewarm and God hates it? Don't leave here guilty today. May that guilt drive you back to his grace. And may his grace drive you to truth. And so today, if we can pray for you, come right up while we stand together and sing. Boy, what a, what a powerful song to conclude what we study today. If you understand what we have studied today, if you understand the goodness and holiness of God, you are going to run to his arms. We've got some people to pray for this morning. Let's bow together. Lord, we're so thrilled to be here. We're so blown away by Jesus. God, we thank you, God, that he comes to us with an amazing standard, but he also gives us amazing grace. Help us to respond to both. God, I pray for my sister, Tina Hale. Thank you for her daughter, Ashley, bringing a prayer request up for her. She's having health issues and suffering from kidney failure. God, we pray for healing. God, we pray for comfort. This family's been through so much. And we pray, God, that you would bless them. And Lord, today in some ways is a sad day being Trace Ott's last Sunday before he leaves to college, and we're so proud of him and what he's achieved in football, and we pray as he, he goes off, Lord, that, that you would bless him and that everything he achieves, God, that he will bring glory to you and know that it's not the goal. It's just an opportunity to bring glory to you. But, Lord, we also pray, um, God, for him that he'll find a good church and make great friends. And, Lord, we know for most of our college students, either that happens the first two weeks or it doesn't happen. And we know the leader Trace can be. So, God, may he quickly gravitate toward a Christian group where he can be a light. And, God, we certainly want to pray for Wendy, God, that you would bless her. We know how close they are. And we pray, God, that you'll strengthen her in her loneliness. And, God, that she will trust Trace and that you'll continue to use her. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys, don't get in a hurry because um, we've, we've still got plenty of time left. In fact, we come to the the climax of our service. In the middle of all of this challenge, and I hope you've been challenged today, if anybody can lead this service and go, you know what, nothing applied to me, you didn't listen. Or I'm, I'm good, you didn't listen. 
But what I love is all of this is couched in grace. And every Sunday, we meet around this table of grace where we know no matter how we've fallen, Jesus is taking care of our sin problem. And, and, and we come to this table and we, we drink in the blood of Jesus. We, we eat of this body that was given for us. We're, we're refreshed. We're replenished. We're reminded of His amazing forgiveness so we can go back out in this world. I will refer you back to Chris Pratt, rule number nine. And after this, we'll go to the table. And we're going to ask you today, like we've been doing the last couple of weeks, we're trying to become more biblical in how we do this because it's meant to be a table. There's meant to be interaction these next few moments. So we'll be playing some music in the background, then we'll close out with some great praise songs together. But I would encourage you to pray with someone, to talk with someone. If you need to meditate by yourself, that's fine too. But, but if you're needing something to talk to, talk about, here's what I'd like you to, to, to mention to someone or ask someone. What word did you need today? Did you need to hear a word of grace or a word of truth? That's some great discussions for service about that. Today, are you more in need of just God lay the truth on the line and shake you up? Or you, you know you blow it and you need to hear his grace? So Chris Pratt, rule number nine. Nobody's perfect. People will tell you that you are perfect just the way you are. You are not. You are imperfect. You always will be. But there's a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, oh my goodness, you'll have grace. And grace is a gift. Like the freedom we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for by somebody else's blood. Do not forget that. Don't take that for granted. Let's pray together. God, as we come to this table, may this not just be a weekly ritual where we forget what you've done for us. Or we just take for granted where we abuse grace. Lord, we pray that we will come to this table of grace and that we will drink deeply of your grace. We will feel your forgiveness, Father, and it will motivate us out of our mind to obey you when we walk out of these doors. And Lord, today as we come to this table, not as individuals, but together, God, help us to have some meaningful discussion and prayer, even confession. Because, Lord, we're in a safe place at this table. We're in a place of absolute grace. And, and when you know somebody loves you, when you know someone will forgive you for the worst, then you can be honest about what's going wrong. So we can do that today. Help us to do that together and with you. <coughs> we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.